The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're joining us, and uh, we got another great program for you today. I know you will be inspired. I know you will uh, learn a lot of uh, important information and uh, get some new insights about the process of recovery. And I want to thank you for liking the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page and also thank you for uh, emailing me and letting me know what's happening for you in your spirituality and recovery walk. Thank you for participating here uh, with Spirit of Recovery as we do explore spirituality and recovery and what it means to live a full life. I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your Unity community know about us here on Spirit of Recovery right here on unityonlineradio.org. It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality. And um, again, thank you for letting me know that what we're doing here on Spirit of Recovery is making a difference in your life, that you're really uh, enjoying the guests that we bring and um, glad to know that what they're saying and how they're expressing what the work they do and oftentimes what's hap- what they have experienced in their personal lives is really touching your heart and making a difference for you. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative, people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people and my guests are always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen live via your smartphone, via your computer, via your um, iPad. You can go to uh, also go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. You can listen via iTunes. You can, uh, if you have an Alexa-enabled device, you can listen that way. You can ask Alexa to play Unity Online Radio and search for Spirit of Recovery. Also, you can listen on demand. We've got lots of great podcasts. We've got years' worth of excellent programs, so you can go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery and listen at your leisure. 
I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're a family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, or maybe you're just interested and curious about the process of addiction and recovery, whoever you are, you're really welcome here. We're very glad that you're here. You're welcome to participate uh, with a question or a comment for my guest on our topic, Um, and certainly, um, of course, we're just so glad that you're here. I always want family members to know that there is recovery for family members as family members, that there are uh, recovery resources, 12-step resources, other support groups, therapies, all kinds of things. So if you've been affected by the family disease aspect of addiction, there is also hope and help for you. So... I want you to know also that if you like what you hear on Spirit of Recovery and also the other many great programs on Unity Online Radio, and if you would like to support nonprofit, UnityOnlineRadio.org, financially, you can do that. You can make a one-time or a recurring contribution. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone, and um, that is really helpful if you would like to do that. Again, um, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And uh, over 35 years ago, those relationships were a catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And my walk continues to be an integration of unity principles, recovery principles, and that walk keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing in ever deeper ways. Um, I am delighted, very grateful to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. So today, again, we've got a really great program for you and an important one. And our topic today is No One is Alone. One out of every five people struggles with mental illness and uh, too often mental illness can feel like a dark secret that isolates the people that are suffering from it as well as their feeling like their families and friends may feel isolated also in this. So ignoring mental illness is not an option. One thing too that uh, we're really aware of and uh, and people, uh, even the people that were early uh, founders of the 12-step movement were aware of this and back in the 1930s, is that a lot of times addiction uh, can also, uh, what can go along with that, we call it, today we call it co-occurring disorders or dual disorders, is um, there can be sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes there can also be other mental health issues that uh, co-occur along with addiction. So sometimes in the process of recovery, um, that becomes apparent. It may have been masked by the act of addiction, um, uh, and or it may have been obvious, but uh, it, this is an important topic for everybody, and it's also a real important topic for uh, people in recovery, for uh, family members and anybody that's in the recovery process, because um, mental illness, as I said, is prevalent in any and it also sometimes is a co-occurring disorder with addiction. So it's an important topic to address. And so as friends and family members, um, if there's someone in our lives that um, does have uh, a mental illness concern, a lot of times we want to help, but maybe we don't know how. Or perhaps if we ourselves are a person that's experiencing mental illness, we want to find, of course, the way to healing. And my guest today uh, has a lot of uh, 
important information to share with us about this. Her name is Felicia Johnson, and she's the author of the best-selling novel, Her, H-E-R, and which is a story um, of endurance, survival, and finding hope from within. And she'll be telling us more about that and how she came to write this novel and why it uh, matters to her. Also, Felicia is a speaker. She herself is a survivor of child abuse, and she's also a mental health advocate with over 10 years' experience in the mental health field. She um, speaks at conferences. She is a community educator. She has a real uh, passion and a love for supporting youth um, who are at risk and who are uh, having mental health issues, and she is committed to reducing the stigma and the isolation of mental illness, um, again, through community education, youth advocacy, and through supporting families and friends. You can learn more about her and her work. Um, you get, she, there are two websites you can go to. One is FeliciaJohnsonAuthor.com, and that's F-E-L-I-C-I-A, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, Author, A-U-T-H-O-R.com. Also, you can go to... Uh, to www.herthebook, H-E-R, the book, no spaces.com, and you can learn a lot more about Felicia. So, Felicia, first of all, thank you for the work that you're doing, and thank you for being my guest today. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Glad you're here. So, um, tell us a little bit about what got you interested in mental health issues. What got you started on this? Well, I, I started very young um, without even knowing, really. Um, when I was in recovery myself, um, 15 years old, just coming out of an abuse home, the abuse ended very suddenly for me. So I didn't even, when I was told that I was being abused, it sort of hit me. It was like it, it broke me inside because I didn't know that I was being abused. Um, so, you know, I, I started to learn about what abuse is and why it occurs. And I wanted to educate myself more on it. And also I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, which was developed by, you know, from the abuse and also inherited in my genes. And I, I became friends with um, a girl named Holly, and she was the first person I ever felt comfortable enough opening up to um, besides my journals, because I'd always been an avid journaler since I was a kid. Um, but she was the first person I actually felt comfortable enough opening up to, and she and I struggled with the same problems. We both uh, struggled with the addiction of self-harming um, Ours was more like addicted to the pain, the dopamine release that um, that you get from causing causing self harming, self harm pain, and um, so we talked a lot about that. But unfortunately, in our budding friendship, Holly did lose her battle with depression, and she did commit suicide when we were both fifteen years old. And her friendship and even her death had such a huge impact on my life that I I wanted to do something to commemorate her and what she gave me, not just the fact that she, you know, she lost her battle, but her life, her life meant something and her life pretty much saved my life. So that mm -hmm. basically got me started working in the mental health field. She was my motivation to keep going. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, so Thank you for sharing that. And there's a lot, really, in, in what you just uh, shared with us. So 
tell us a little bit more about, because your book, Her, as you say, is really, is, is, of course, dedicated to Holly. It's a novel. So we know that in a novel, maybe there's some things that are, you know, facts pulled from real life and, and other things that are, you know, part of the, the narrative, but maybe not actually factual. But, but in a sense, I, I think, and you can clarify this, that her, the novel, her is based basically on Holly's experience. Is that accurate or, or how would you describe that? Well, what I did was, because I'd always been a journaler, I started journaling when I was six years old, and I was in the second grade, and it just, it became naturally to me to be able to express my emotions and feelings in these books, and nobody has to read them, they're just mine, and even when I was going through the abuse, it was the only way I was able to release it, because there was no one to talk to, I did feel isolated, I did feel alone. And I didn't know what I was going through at the time. So it was very painful. And even after Holly was gone, I decided I was going to just write a journal about her because I didn't want to forget her. I didn't want to forget her, you know, from the color of her eyes to the things she said in the moments we shared. Um, And I learned that Holly had borderline personality disorder, also known as BPD. And it's, it's a, personality disorder um, that's in, categorized under mental illness, and she, I, I, I thought that she was one of the most loyal good friends that I ever had, so I always felt like she deserved better. Um, she deserved to have a better uh, beginning of her life. I would hate to say ending because her life has ended, but she, she deserved to recover, so the book her is loosely based on the journals that I kept, um, but also with elements of things that I went through in my life as well. And it, with our stories combined, I wanted to create a story that would give people hope, that would give them the hard truth about mental illness, not just borderline personality disorder, because there are other characters in there um, that the main character meets when she's in the when she's in the hospital, and you. You get to see what others, what other kids suffer through, and what she, when she, what it's like for her when she learns that she's not alone. Um, so it's it's a book that takes you into the mind of someone who has a mental illness, and as you read, you it's, the book is written in three parts. The first part is her her mental breakdown and her going into the hospital. Part two is her actual treatment as she learns about her disorder, and part three is actually her recovery. So it is a story of hope. It is written in fiction, but it's it has the heart of a textbook because as as she's learning, you're learning. As she's feeling, you're feeling and you're inside of her mind. So if you feel like you're reading the book and you're going a little crazy, you're reading the book correctly. <laughs> uh-huh. So Tell us some more about what, uh, so it sounds like you're, in, in writing this book, as you say, your goal is to help people understand at depth what the experience is of mental illness and and what, and where the hope is. The both, you know, it's like facing both the, the really hard aspects of it and the painful aspects and the facts right. of it. It's, it's very difficult. It's really challenging. Uh, beyond, I mean, it's it's dark, it's hard, and as well as the hope. So how does, um, and you just said that, you know, you'd hope if people are feeling a little bit tossed up kind of reading this, that's good. Tell us more about that. Why is that helpful? What's What does that do for the reader? 
I think it's helpful because the, when I was writing the book, I, I wanted, of course, people who were struggling with mental illness, any type, to not feel like they were alone, that they could read this book and have something to relate to. But really, I wrote it mainly for people like me who have family, friends, loved ones, who that they, who they care about, who are struggling, who they want to understand. And it is the deep, dark place. If you truly want to understand what a person is going through, you either have to be a really good listener or a really good reader. And the book, like I said, it takes you into the mind of someone who's struggling. So when you have a loved one that you truly want to understand and you sit down and you read this book, you're getting into that mindset and you hopefully the message in the end is that recovery is possible and that there is hope despite all of the darkness that you see. There is hope. Right. That is such an important message. Let me ask you this from, as you said, you are a person also that's in recovery. And I'm thinking from what you're saying, not from substance uh, disorder, but recovery from uh, self-harm. And we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. And it is an addiction. It really is. So we'll, we'll get to that later. But, but in that light, as an author and as a person in your own recovery, what did writing this book do for you? How did it affect your life and your recovery? Well, it, it, it was very therapeutic to see other people um, say to me whenever, you know, I do speaking engagements and they read my book or um, even through emails every day, I get letters from people saying that they don't feel so alone. That's the most rewarding part. Hearing other people's stories, um, that's the biggest reward for me because that's getting people to talk about it. And that's what I wanted the book to do. Um, Dr. Maya Angelou has a perfect saying. She, she said, people will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but they won't forget how you made them feel. And I wrote her to make people feel something enough to want to talk about mental illness because that's the only way we're going to get rid of the stigma is if we talk about it. I mean, people have uh, walks and um, charity fundraisers, things like that for like diabetes and for uh, multiple sclerosis. These are all physical illnesses that are all, that are deadly and also like depression. You know, it, it can kill you. It can eat you from the inside out like cancer. So we should be able to talk about it and not feel so alone. And that's the purpose of her, to just make people feel something enough to want to talk about it, whether it's with their loved ones or share their own stories. Um, That's the main goal. That's wonderful. You know, and um, the the substance disorder uh, recovery community is certainly in that mode as well. And and over probably the last... I don't know, maybe 20 years, what's called the recovery advocacy movement is springing mm-hmm. up and uh, doing a lot of good work and in many arenas. And certainly, uh, as you're saying, that in the mental illness field or in that community, um, a similar kinds of maybe not exactly the way it's happening in, in the substance disorder recovery movement, but similar things are happening. And p- people like yourself are getting out there and, and uh, breaking that stigma, you know, pulling down the wall and, and, and saying, look, this is nothing to be ashamed of. It's something we need to address, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. So tell me, and again, I know that you speak in a lot of places, and again, you have your book out, and you've got, you've got some other um, media out, which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit here. So what do you hear when you go out and you speak at conferences and you are talking to people in communities? What do you hear people saying about mental illness, and do you feel like uh, we're making progress in getting it out of the shadows? I think that we're doing the best we can at this point, but there's always room for improvement. We need more people to actually get out and educate themselves. There is still a lot of shame, um, and I understand that shame. I was I was young once, and I was very, very ashamed of what I had been through, the abuse, also had, being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. It's, it's really hard in a lot of different cultures. Um, especially in the black community, um, it's it's not it's not a thing. Mental illness is not a thing. So mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of um, you know people when I speak at universities, and they're becoming they're they are becoming educators and doctors themselves, and they listen to me speak. And I mean other people in the black community, they say you know this is great because we need this. We need more of us to stand up and say that this is real. It affects all cultures, and it's a global issue. Um, I've, I've spoken in South Africa. I've spoken also in Ireland and the U.K. It's, it's everywhere, and that's the whole purpose. So what I find most when I go and speak is that everybody is recognizing that it is not just isolated to one group of people, that it is a global issue, and we all fit together, and we all come, we can come together and beat the stigma. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really great. You, I think, have a real heart for uh, the youth community and youth that are suffering from mental illness. Tell us more about that. Obviously, as you're saying in your own story, you were 15 when you started your recovery process. So that's something that's very a real lived experience for you. Uh, how do you support the uh, youth community in recovery? I support by going out and speaking. Um, I speak at schools and universities, like I said. Also, too, I'll, I'll send copies of my book um, to different schools and things so that people so that it could be a part of their curriculum and I've donated books to libraries as well because you know kids need to have access to it it is a young adult book but adults can read it too um it's important to be the voice to me it is it's important to be the voice I wish I had when I was younger because I was considered one of those you know troubled kids and you know I didn't understand myself and I wish somebody had told me that everything was going to be okay when I was that age. It probably would have saved me a lot of trouble. But, you know, I want to be that voice that I wish I had, that I wish Holly had. Um, And a lot of kids who are out there suffering, they need someone who's been through it to tell them it is going to be okay. You can get through this. You can be a survivor. Mm Mm-hmm. What, so that's certainly one thing that really helps kids, what you're just saying, is so they know they're not alone, they hear you as a survivor, they can read your book, mm-hmm. and that helps them to know I'm not alone, I can get through this. What else helps kids that are struggling? What do they need? I think, I think support is the best, uh, the best 
therapy, um, emotional support, and having friends, families, um, even teachers, educators by their side to tell them that it's okay um, and that they have someone to talk to, not being judged um, and not being shamed. Using shame is not a good way to help someone in recovery. Definitely encouragement and um, validation. Validation is key, I think, when it comes to um, kids and even adults in recovery. We have to validate that they're doing well. We have to validate their feelings and um, and just simply listen too, because sometimes people that's all they just that's all they need is just somebody to listen to them, not judge them, and not say anything. Sometimes just listening is enough. Right. What should a family look for or friends or teachers or anybody that or or churches, whoever might, you know, be around uh, youth? What are some signs or symptoms uh, to look for uh, around mental illness and then what might be an initial step for a family or or anybody that's close to a young person? What should they do? Well, if you see anything like strange marks or burns or um like even broken bones. I mean, I, I remember when I was at the peak of my um, my self-harming, I, I tried to break my own bones. So I was always wrapped up and have bandages on, and I, I wore long sleeves in the summertime, things like that. Um, isolation and pushing friends and family away. Those are some of the biggest telltale signs of someone who's self-harming and somebody who may be struggling with, depression, especially when they push away their friends and they're no longer interested in things that you they were once interested in, you know, say like, you know, you have a friend who you always play basketball with and suddenly they're just not there and they're pushing you away. They're not even playing, playing basketball or anything. Um, that's, that is a cause for concern. And what you can do is it's not easy to coach. It's that's uh, we're going to put that out there. It's it's not easy. Um, mental illness is not something that is easy to approach right now. And the way that we can make it a bit easier again is to talk about it and get rid of that stigma. Showing that you care is a big deal, and not letting the person you know push you away. You being there and just making it clear to them that you will not judge them, that you care, and that you want to be a part of their lives and help them. That, that I think, is the biggest thing you could do. That's what I wish I had when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Somebody really reaching out and making that connection of care. Right. Yeah. Well, what are resources uh, for families? Because sometimes a family member or friends or whoever, schools or churches, might feel like, well, okay, we feel isolated in this too. But there are resources, right, for family. Yeah, and, there's and, like so there's what National are, Alliance for Mental Illness. Um, NAMI, right? NAMI, yeah, they're Uh global. I mean, they're all over the United States. Also, Personality Disorders Awareness Network, PDAN. um, They're they're at pdan.org, and they have, like, free trainings, advice um, for people who are family members of people who struggle with personality disorders. I mean, the whole spectrum, not just borderline personality disorder. Um, they're a huge resource. They're, uh, their Facebook page is actually 24-7, and they're global. So if you have a question um, that you need to answer to immediately, you can go to their Facebook page, and that's facebook.com 
slash P-D-A-N, P-D-A-N, and you can shoot them a message, and they'll be glad to answer any questions. I'm also a volunteer for them. I speak and I write, and I also help with the Facebook page as well. So, you know, um, it's, it's, I think that's one of the biggest resources besides NAMI that I think people should definitely check out. Um, because their website is great. They have they have trainings and um, just really supportive community. It's a great. really strong supportive community. Yeah, that, that does. That sounds like a very uh, robust resource. Tell us the whole name again, just so we'll be sure everybody hears that. So the whole name it's is what? No? Personality Disorders Awareness Network, and it's P-D-A-N. They go by P-D-A-N. Okay, great. And then Nami, tell us again that whole thing so people could, and there obviously you can find them online too. So that name yeah. is what? Well, they, they just go by Nami, N-A-M-I, but it's National Alliance on Mental Illness. But if you just type in Nami, I mean, there's one in every state and um, they have different affiliates in the state. So you might be able to go in there and do a search at NAMI.org. Um, mm-hmm. And see where's the closest support group near you. They have groups for consumers of the people who struggle with mental illness and also their families and friends and, and educators. I mean, they have something for everybody. That sounds great. That's really, that's excellent. Um, thank you. You're giving us lots of uh, important information, helpful, good resources. Um, thank you for sharing your heart. It's time for our break, so we're going to take uh, a brief break. Listeners, stay with us, and we'll be right back talking about No One is Alone with my guest, Felicia Johnson, the author of the best-selling novel, Her, as well. Uh, Ms. Johnson is a uh, child abuse survivor herself. She's a speaker. She's a mental health professional, and she advocates and uh, educates communities with a special heart for youth. You can find her work at FeliciaJohnsonAuthor.com and also www www.herthebook.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Someone once said there are two ways to get to the top of an oak tree. Climb the tree or plant an acorn and wait. If we expect changes to happen in our lives, we may want to consider climbing. Plus, changes needn't be monumental. Sometimes it's as easy as an attitude shift. Life is what we bring to it. Do you have a job that seems less than exciting? When you walk through the door, bring joy with you. Life looks better when viewed through a positive attitude. Are you facing a health challenge or surgery? Get rid of your fears by focusing instead on spirit working in and through you. When you remember that with God all things are possible, your outlook cannot help but change. Today, wherever you go, whatever you face, do so with joyous expectations. Release your inner splendor and allow the light and love of God to guide your way. This Mindful Moment is brought to you by Daily Word magazine. 
Finding time for the positive reminders in Daily Word is easy with the digital edition. Perfect for smartphones and readers on the go. Give it a test run with our 30-day free trial offer. Learn more at unityonlineradio.org slash dailyword. Thanks for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host. And our topic today is No One is Alone. And we're talking about uh, mental illness. We're talking about recovery from mental illness and how to reduce the stigma of mental illness, how important it is um, to get this out of the shadows. And just as recovery from substance use disorders is coming out of the shadows, so is uh, this uh, situation of mental illness. And so, and um, so, uh, my guest is Felicia Johnson. She's the author of the best-selling novel, Her. And <clears throat> Felicia is also a speaker, a child abuse survivor herself, and a mental health advocate that <clears throat> with a special heart for youth. <clears throat> she does a lot of community education and uh, is a real uh, wonderful supporter of recovery from mental illness and all that goes with it. So I'm really glad to have her today. Before we get back to our conversation, I invite you to join me in a brief moment of making conscious contact with your higher power, the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax and to share with me this constructive idea and feel that relaxation and that conscious contact with your higher power as peace and love, just letting you let go and let God and allowing your heart and your mind to open and share with me this idea. I am a whole and beautiful expression of my higher power. I am whole and well. I am filled with strength and with hope. I am a whole, beautiful expression of my higher power. I am whole and well, filled with strength and hope. And so now we take just a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. I trust that that was an opportunity for you to relax and make conscious contact with your higher power. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Felicia Johnson, and we're talking about no one is alone, talking about recovery from mental illness and reducing the stigma of mental illness and uh, an important topic for all of us. So, um, Felicia, one of the important aspects of uh, recovery is spirituality, and you do touch on this also in your novel, and I know it's an important part of your own life. So, in your novel, there's a an interaction between uh, Kristen, who is the uh, protagonist in the novel here, the the main 
character, and uh, Mrs. Mosley, who's someone she met, uh, who was one of the uh, therapists and the caregivers in the hospital uh, when Kristen was in the in the mental health hospital. So, tell us a little bit about that dialogue and why you put that in the book. The reason why I put a bit about spirituality is because sometimes we may feel, even in our darkest moments, that we are completely alone. And there are times when we are sitting alone, we're sitting in our bedroom and we're meditating or we're crying or we're just, we're in somewhere deep and we can feel alone in that moment. Um, The conversation, it was a brief conversation, but basically Kristen felt like she was punished with life. And Ms. Mosley, being a spiritual and religious woman herself, wanted to make it clear to Kristen that she Life is a blessing from God, and that although it's hard right now, although she felt alone, that his spirit is always around her, and that he has not forgotten about her, and that's why she was, she told her that's why she was there in the hospital, that's why they were having that conversation, because perhaps somewhere inside of her, she was crying out to God without even knowing it, and God answered. So Ms. Mosley that that little conversation was just to help her become aware and open her eyes to the fact that even when she is sitting alone and she's feeling the darkness around her, that that she is surrounded by the love of God. Right. And that really helps her. It's kind of a new idea for her, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's that. Mm -hmm. I know in your own life and your recovery, your spirituality is important to us. Share with us what that means to you and how you keep that that open for you. What's your spirituality like and how does it uh, support you? Well, being spiritual is very important for me because it kept me sane, I guess, as sane as I could be when I was going through what I was going through um, when we were being abused. Not after and I, I prayed to God for something to give again i didn't know that what we were what we were what we were experiencing was abuse it wasn't talked about as abuse you know in our home it's more like this is how things work and what happens behind closed doors stays behind closed doors what happens in our home stays in our home and you abide by that because you depend on these people for your survival so I pray to God for something to give for the this this terrible feeling, the things we were experiencing to end because it hurt. And although things did get really, really bad, things obviously did come to light. The darkness did come to light, and we were able to um, get the help that we needed. And that was an answer to that was. The, the divine answer to the, to our prayers. I mean, I never lost faith despite the person who was abusing us was supposed to be our spiritual head and was home. For some reason, I just could never lose faith that God was there watching us, keeping us safe, and that this man, even though at some point I did believe he was going to kill us, he did not kill us. So um, all praise and thanks goes to God for that and for the life that I have now to be able to be strong enough to help others who feel alone and feel weak because I know what that feels like. But God has given me the wisdom and the love 
and again, the strength, which I pray for on a daily basis to continue in this work, because this is what I'm here for. This is why he saved me to help others. Right. And, you know, a a little bit of of your story there is that no matter, sometimes, you know, people can distort things so much in the name of religion, and it's, in my Mm -hmm. book, not real religion, whatever, but Mm -hmm. it's this major distortion, and and that can really make one's mind spin. But what you're telling us is that you found that conscious contact with your, with God, higher power, whatever word we would use for it doesn't matter but you found that mm-hmm. that innate spiritual goodness and so you were able to contact that and everybody can beyond whatever mind games anybody's playing that's exactly. powerful mm-hmm. i was able to differentiate between religion and spirituality i saw the religion the what they called a religion but i also saw the lack of true spirituality in that and while I was in this home, but the spirituality of the spirit that I was feeling that never left me, you know, I, I it, could, it was undeniable. So how could I not have faith? Right. What would you say, uh, describe what you call true spirituality? Hello? Hello. Did we lose you okay, again? Sorry. There you are. That's okay. We're, you're back. And Jeff can okay. edit this out. So tell us what, what you would call true spirituality. How would you describe that? Well, I think that's personal. That's everybody's personal relationship with their higher power. I can't say to you what your true spirituality is. To me, my true spirituality is always knowing and feeling the energy that um, that God is there all the time, even when I'm in pain. And being aware of that, that things will happen, bad things will happen, we will make mistakes, but my faith in God and knowing that I'm imperfect but He still loves me, that's my true spirituality and continuing to do what He's put me here on earth to do. But that's me, that's personal. I think mm-hmm. your true spirituality has to be personal for you. So what's, what's true spirituality for me may be different for somebody else. Right. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that with us. Sure. You, you have another book that's a spinoff from her called Danny Boy, right? Tell us about that. Yes. Well, okay, Danny Boy is based on um, a character from her. His name is Daniel. And when we first meet Daniel and her, in the book Her, he's already well into his recovery. But we know that he has a backstory because he sort of shares a bit of it with Kristen. He's very artistic. He expresses himself through drawings and he has juvenile diabetes as well. So not only does he struggle with mental illness, which is bipolar disorder, he also struggles with uh, a physical illness, um, both very deadly. And he, in this book, it takes you back to before he's in the hospital and then how he comes into the hospital and um, there's bits of her in Danny Boy, but from Daniel's point of view, because it's told from his point of view, and we get to see how he um, gets to this positive place that we first met him in, in her. And uh, it also helps us 
realize that not only girls struggle with depression, guys have a hard time too, boys do as well. And it also helps us look at how we treat people when we know that they have a physical illness versus how we treat people when we know that they have a, uh, a mental illness. And you have a character here who's a male and a teenage teenager, and he's struggling with both. So it's a very deep story. Um, it's, not a, it's not a very easy read like her. I mean, some people find her to be easy enough to read get through, but there are dark elements there, and it, we tack, again, we're tackling mental illness, so it does get dark in places, but I think it's a, it's another encouraging read, um, because now you have a male character and someone who's struggling with not only mental illness, but also physical illness, and how he deals with that. That's great, and again, while certainly these are both books that adults uh, can learn from and enjoy, uh, that you gear them in a sense really to young people, right? So that they will right. relate to these characters. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's, it's on the border of young adult and new adult um, because these characters are coming of age and um, they're, they're growing and they're teenagers, but they're becoming adults and they're having to learn responsibility, how to take care of themselves with these challenges that they face. So I try to tackle both sides, the young adult aspect as well as the new adult aspect. Right. There, yeah. Um, I, again, her is certainly, I have not read Danny Boy, but uh, her is certainly uh, uh, hits the mark on that and, and really points out a lot of things. Again, useful for young people, useful for families or anybody, any adults that work with young people or just even relating it to oneself as because we were all young once and uh, mm-hmm. we can all relate to that. You have another, um, you're a, you are a prolific author and uh, producer, Felicia. You just do great. It's amazing looking at your website. You have another you. Uh, media uh, presentation called um, The Loser's Tattoo. Tell us about that. Well, Loser's Tattoo was, it was inspired again by Holly. Um, I, we talk about art, uh, body art, like tattoos. Um, to for recovery, self-harm recovery. And we not only interview my, me and myself, but um, other people, guys, girls, men, um, and therapists um, who have experience with self-harming behaviors, but also to how we can use body art to, reco- to heal in our recovery. So after Holly had passed away and I got, a goodbye letter from her. It was very painful. I wasn't allowed to say goodbye to her. I couldn't go to her funeral. It was a really confusing, hard time. And at the time, I was still self-harming. So what I did was I took a I took a knife from my kitchen drawer and really visceral, if if I can say what happened was I carved sure. uh, the word loser into my leg, and mm-hmm. it left big scars like I I should have had stitches but I didn't and growing up I always saw that on my leg and I even as I recovered and I was like wow I, I, I wonder if there's a way to get rid of it like not but not like remove it to where I it's not a reminder but maybe do something positive with it and my husband, he had talked about getting a tattoo for a really long time, and I knew he was going to get one, and I was like, well, if I was going to get a tattoo, I would want it to be meaningful. But I had no idea 
what to get. So one night I did have a dream. I, I prayed and I went to sleep like I, like I always do. And um, I had a dream that I was writing with one of those old quill pens and I was dipping it in an ink bottle and the ink bottle spilled over and the word, the word writer started to make out in the ink as it dripped down the table. And then it started to defy gravity and drip up into the air. And it said author and the quill just landed very slowly into the ink and made these beautiful rainbow colors. And I woke up and said, that is my tattoo. That mm. is going to, that's going to be the challenge for me. So my husband, he's a documentary filmmaker. So he is actually the one who made the documentary. And he's uh. documenting me, documenting the process, the, you know, my friends support talking to them, talking to other people who have self-harmed. And um, you'd be shocked how many people actually use body art as a way to recover and cover up scars and things like that with something beautiful. I was the only one. So this, was a, this was a wonderful experience. Um, so you see me grow because at first I'm nervous and I'm talking about it and I'm crying because I'm like, I don't even know what I'm about to get myself into. But once the tattoo was finished and it is the most beautiful thing, I looked at my, like, I can't see the word loser. I can't at all. It's just uh, there. It's like a sleeve. Um, kind of like how people get arm sleeves. It's like mm-hmm. a leg sleeve. And mm-hmm. it's the most beautiful thing. So I, I was. it was almost like when I carved loser in my leg, I was giving myself a label. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a loser. And I learned that. But I, what I am is I'm a writer and I'm an author. So the ink bottle, the quill, and the spilled ink, it's all on my leg and it, you know, and the documentary, you'll get to see it because um, we reveal it in the documentary. But um, the the trailer is on my website. But, yeah, we uh, we just thought it would be great to make a short documentary that could um, help people who were who are addicted to self-harm um, and who were in recovery and who want, who want to find a way to get rid of their scars but not wanting to, you know, actually get rid of them but do something beautiful and we 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 love tattoos we love art we love beautiful expressions of art and tattooing is just another beautiful expression of art and it helped me that's an amazing story it, it to me that is the that's the transformative process because mm-hmm. you took you took this painful uh experiences that you had you took the addiction to self-harm and you have utilized that to learn and grow and to share light with other people and so there it there it is on your leg the transformation of the painful experience into this beautiful expression of your life divine calling that's beautiful yeah (laughs) thank you it was a a process when you see the documentary you'll see I was terrified. I was, I mean, even in the trailer, I'm sure you watched the trailer. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of emotions. You see the people, some of the people we interview and stuff. Um, and it's, it's, it's not easy. Right now the um, documentary is getting ready to be put through the film festival circuit, but we're, we're hoping we'll be able to get um, distribution so everybody can see it everywhere, like maybe on Netflix or something. But right now, um, it's just doing the the independent 
um, run through film festivals right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> you're, what you're doing is amazing, Felicia, and um, uh, again, taking your experience, and I believe that's that's spiritually what we're all here to do, is to take whatever our experience is, to learn from it, to grow from it, to let it be the soil in which we find our spiritual lives and be of service. You're doing mm-hmm. that in in amazing ways. You really are. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, despite any, if this isn't easy. I mean, I, it's not that I get full support from my family either. Um, I think that if you want to speak up, don't let anybody silence you. For a long time, I was told I didn't have a voice. And I want to let people know that you do, even if it's your parents telling you they don't approve of what you're doing and you're doing something to help people do it, do it. Don't, don't rely on the negativity, the rely on your faith. Again, spirituality, you'll know it in your spirit. You'll know when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, despite any negativity that, that may come your way. Wow, that is amazing. Thank you. Those are words of wisdom, deep wisdom. We're at the end of our time. Felicia, thank you so much for being my guest today. You have just... Thank you for um, having me. You're welcome. You've shown so much light. And um, really, and again, if you want to learn more about Felicia and her work, you can go to FeliciaJohnsonAuthor.com and or go to www.HerTheBook.com and you can find all this we've been talking about. So listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. You have a blessed week. Know that the light shines in you. And as Felicia says, keep stay with your own faith in your higher power and know that you are here for divine purpose and you're shining lots of light yourself. So we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. God bless. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
When we think of something priceless, we may envision a rare jewel or a masterpiece of art. In our minds, their value may be partially based on the fact that they're not easily found or duplicated. We tend to place greater worth in such things and may overlook the everyday treasures each one of us already possesses. Regardless of our individual tastes and perceptions, there is one thing we all value, a treasure we constantly seek, peace of mind. Ironically, peace isn't rare. It's an unlimited and ever-present gift that lives within each of us, waiting to be found. I can uncover my buried treasure today. Peace is priceless. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on a Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. <laughs> 